It's so fun recording a virtual podcast episode. I'm Mr. Braden Bradley. And I'm Ashley Mitchell. I'm Adam Andrew Rios. And I'm Darrell Anthony. And this is Pride the Podcast. podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you go virtual, people. No one knows when to say it at the same time. One of these days, we're going to get it together, I swear. I'm, but to be fair, we can't even do it when we're in the same room together. So right. it ain't got nothing to do with virtual. We're How's everyone virtual? doing? We're still social distan- distancing, even though New York has technically opened up. On well, phase one. Okay, phase one. But mm-hmm. you know what? We still got to be smart. We still have to wear our face mask. We still have to limit the outside exposure we experience. We still have to social distance. We're talking to the gays in Hell's Kitchen, by the way. Oh, yeah. Did y'all see that? I did. I did. It was a That's sea of white. Um, I was concerned that... I wonder what are the same people who had the quarantine, like, hookup party it was in Hell's Kitchen. What was it called? Like The Meth, meth Gala. The Meth Gala, which is a whole nother conversation. But that's, right. Yeah. Because, you know, the gays love Tina. Hey, Tina. I'm gay. I don't love that. I don't either. I don't I'm just saying gays in general. Mm. I'm saying y'all. Well, my producer just came in and said, we don't want to <laughs> label all gays as loving Tina. Unless they're my mama, whose name is Whatever. Tina. Whatever. How many of you have received a message on Grinder Growler that says, um, what's up with a capital T? Or looking to part T? Hmm? I haven't. Well, good for you, because I have. I can't answer that question because I haven't been on any of those apps since the pandemic started. And that is a T Ruth statement. Okay. 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 <laughs> Men are still on that bullshit. Okay. <laughs> real. All right. How y'all been holding up with the stupid pandemic? What did y'all, what did y'all do for um, this insane George Floyd protest? Okay, so let's talk about all of us marching yeah. this Sunday. Mm-hmm. It was thank you for Marty Gold Cummings for organizing that. It was it was amazing honestly it was so well organized it was very peaceful you know made sure everybody had snacks um first aid stuff phone numbers in case anybody got arrested and what we started off with like 20 people yeah I yeah yeah Fifth street and by the time we got to all the way down to times square i'd say we had 100 150 you think it was that money I do. I think it was a lot of people. Doubled, maybe even tripled, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then we joined the rally in Times Square, and I know there was 2,000, at least 2,000 people in Times Square, not to mention the rallies in Washington Square Park, all the other parks, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx. Like, there were so, so many. I want to definitely... I want to definitely also give a shout out uh, to Kristen Richardson Jordan. Um, she also helped uh, Marty Gold um, Cummings organize that. Just to let you know, both of them are running for city council seats. So please definitely go out and vote. Um, I think they're both good. They're in, in district, they're in their district. They're, you're in uh, district seven and nine, respectively. So please go out and vote for them. Um, yes. They really care about the people. One thing I want to really highlight is the fact that both Kristen and Marty continue to check on everyone as we were marching. 
They were like, you need water, you need snacks, you need a break, you need a second. Like, and they engaged with everyone and not even a politician type way, which I thought was very interesting. I felt connected to Marty and Kristen as a person um, yeah. and they treated me as a person. And I think that, um, it's very important for all of us moving forward to really look into, I think people only think about the presidential elections. And I think that we also need to focus on the, uh, focus on the local uh, elections as well, because theirs is equally important. Yes. Going back to what you said, Darrell, about Marty, when we were marching, um, Marty, by the way, will be one of our next guests on a future episode coming up, maybe next yeah. week. Or week or yeah. Um, but we were marching with, with her and she was like, Yes, I'm in your district, but you don't need to vote for me just because you know me. I need to earn your vote as a politician. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I heard, I heard you say that. that. I thought that was just so amazing. That's what I feel mm -hmm. like politicians need to be more of. Like, let me earn your vote. I appreciate right. that coming from them. Um, just a you know qualifier, um, Marty definitely came out as non-binary uh, yesterday. Um, so definitely want to. Um, they they were. I think so important to the movement and what was happening and to see them on the ground, as you said, and them saying that, Brayden, like they're like, this, I want you to know, you really don't have to vote for me. I want to earn that meant yeah. so much more because it was something that I think our presidential uh, candidates can learn from. I think um, mm -hmm. that was one of the downfalls of the Democratic candidates going in is they were like, me, me, me. And it's like, no, no, no. Actually have me earn you by talking about politics and talking about mm -hmm. policy and what's going on rather than like, you should get me because you don't want that person who's currently there, which is true. We don't want that person. But I think that's why there's such a divide in the Democratic uh, nomination is because people don't feel connected to the candidates. Right. Well, I don't even know if people, the American people feel connected with the fucking Cheeto in chief right now. Oh, they don't. He's, he dropped in polls. Yay. Finally. One thing Finally. I really, I really liked about the uh, March on Sunday, and I think I mentioned it to y'all or maybe not or somebody, but I was like, it's, um, it was fun marching through the neighborhood because there were several parks that I had to clean due to my, um, community service because of some bullshit that happened with some, some racial profiling. Very that, very that. Call it out. <clears throat> um, and so it was just kind of like full circle. It was like, you know, back in 20, what was it, 2013, I was having to clean these parks, which is fine, whatever, it was, it was easy. But now getting to march through them against police brutality and just, you know, it just, it was like full circle and it was very nice and- Reparations. Mm -hmm. Reparations and it was just like, how would I put it? Yeah, it was, I really enjoyed it and it was a very inspiring, hopeful day. Yeah. Well, you um, had to clean those parks, Adam, due to racial profiling. And I think that's what you're kind of getting at. It's like you it's were like racially coming profiled. Circle. And, right, that's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was like a nice moment. Yeah. Wait, should we, should we talk about Rolling Stone Magazine wanting to interview us at the March? I mean, that was pretty amazing. I really- I mean, Adam, they came up to you first. Well, they came up, she came up and said, can I take your picture? And I was like, sure. I was a little hesitant because they had been saying we shouldn't be doing any like photo, like please don't take any pictures of it, of the protesters and anything like that. Cause it's easy to identify, you know, oh, they were there, they were there, they were there. And it's easy for organizations or companies to pinpoint and be like, okay, well, I saw you were standing up for this. 
we don't believe that here in this organization company, boom, you're gone, you're fired. Yeah. Um, so I was like, sure, but I was hesitant. She came over and was like, I'm with Rolling Stone, X, Y, and Z. And then, uh, yeah, it was a fun little interview. Hopefully that was Rolling Stone and not Rolling <laughs> Stone. No. Right. Uh paranoid and be like was that rolling Stone?" well I, th I think the reason that people are paranoid about things like that is what adam was saying it's like there's so many people out there that are ill-intentioned about this cause um a couple of things that's been going on when people are talking about the defund the police they're like oh you're getting rid of police i want people to understand that defund the police does not mean getting rid of the police Let's talk, can, we delve into this, can we delve into this a little bit because yeah megan, mm -hmm. on the view today megan who didn't read nothing? I know. Megan and Whippy got into it a little bit today. Should we explain, should you explain what the chant defund the police actually means? So yes. it's really taking funds from the police and allocating them to other community needs. Um, it's about police reform. It's about making sure we have the right policemen in there. Also making sure they are getting the right and adequate training. Um, there's been something that's been going on with the police for a very long time that is basically in short, shoot first, ask questions later when they feel threatened. Yeah. Um, and that's not safe, especially not for the uh, African-American community because they are the highly, highly targeted. Uh, we've seen it come in different cases. For example, Dylan Roof, what happened in South Carolina mm -hmm. when he did the shooting, what did he do? He was able to go, walk into a church, he killed a bunch of innocent black people, and then they took him to Burger King as a treat. Um, we've seen what happened with George Floyd, who they attacked over a counterfeit $20 bill um, which and he probably I, didn't even know he had. Right, which I, what I think is very interesting, and I think if everyone, all of our listeners out there listen, whenever somebody white goes into a school, shoots up someone or goes into a church and does something like that, they immediately say, mental health, something might be wrong. Whenever anyone black is attacked, instead of thinking about of how it could be wrong and even tying mental health to it, the first thing they say is, well, let's look at all their past misdeeds. They were a drug dealer. They might have beat someone. They, uh, George Floyd, they pulled out some information. They were like, oh, he, ha he was on Pornhub. For God's sakes, I'm on Pornhub. You can find me. I got a premium account. Like, I don't <laughs> understand what the problem is. And I think it's so upsetting and so demonizing for us to, for society, specifically the white society who are looking for reasons to, you know, like Laura Ingram, example, she stated that LeBron James, he's a shut up and dribble. But then when Drew Brees had his statement, she said, well, I mean, he's entitled to his opinion. Well, I'm sorry, Laura Ingram. We were all there for you and everyone else, Megan Kelly and all you other bitches who were on Fox News who were like, that we were sexually arrest, um, molested and whatever happened, we were all there for them. So I don't understand why it's a different cause when we're trying to fight for our rights as well. It's it's very it's very odd to me, and it's very because telling. they don't care. They don't they care do, about Adam. black brown bodies. They don't. They That's see the us truth. as a they see us as a publicity stunt or a, a, a something a stepping stone for their next big article or whatever it may be they don't or the hell. Care. like it's it just cut and dry that's it like they don't care they about don't care and my question is to laura ingram how many black friends do you have how many black friends did you grow up with that impacted your life on a personal beautiful level 
Like, I don't care. And I mean, to take that even further, how many Black men has she fetishized? Because at the end of the day, like, women like Laura Ingram are very... <laughs> I, even, I know them. Not even just women like her. It's white gays are the same way. It's like, they're, they're the first to want some BBC, but the last to speak out on any mm-hmm. sort of racial issues. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. disappointing. And, but now, you know, I'm glad all this is happening because we are calling racists out. Sky and Jackson. We have all the time in the world. All the time. Sky Jackson has devoted all her time to this is who's doing this today. Oh, tomorrow I'm gonna have somebody else new, and yep. I love it. Mm-hmm. Same thing can, uh, about Stasi and them little hood rats from yep. whatever <laughs> that show is. Not hood rats. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad oh. that we're getting to the nitty gritty people who are who thought that they might get away with something. No, mama, your time. Uh, no, mama, time to answer the call. You know who else is calling racism out? Pride the series, series, yes. But our next motherfucking guest, Arise Wanzer, the transgender supermodel of the world. So right after this break, we're going to interview her, get to know what she's been doing over in LA and how she's been been supporting the movement because I can't wait to get her POV, especially from Hollywood. Excited. And we'll be right back. Hello and welcome back. We are so excited to introduce our featured guest this episode, the transgendered supermodel of the world, Arise Wanzer. Hello, hey. Arise. Welcome hey. to the show. Hi. So happy to have you. So you're in LA right now, right? Yes, I'm in lo- lovely Los Angeles. How is everything over on the other coast? How are you coping with not only the fucking pandemic that will never end, but also the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening right now? Um, I am coping pretty well now. I think the first week I was a little scared because I didn't know how much control the police had, uh, what like the military was being called in. Uh, the president wasn't saying anything because he's not really a president. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. And, Say yeah. that again. Yeah, no, he's not really a president. Anyway, and um, so our reality star in chief uh, wow, I like I like, I like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't saying anything. And so I was just like, what is about to happen? What is going on? And then now that we're moving into like week two, like the end of week two, really, of uh, just basically negotiations with our own government, we're getting a lot done. Uh, a lot of changes are happening and the protests are getting bigger and more peaceful than ever. And the CNN can't even spin this on looters and this and that. It's like, absolutely not. That is not what happened. We were all there. We all have video footage of what happened. Uh, we're not our parents' generation. You can't spin this into a white supremacy realm again. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. yeah, what's yeah, what's going to happen this time is that we are a fact-based generation. We created the cancel culture, honey. And so okay. canceling your lies against people and how these things are really going. We're seeing how they're really going. We're gonna get justice for people and we're not going back in the genie bottle. Like it's out, like we're out. We're ready to make real socio change, like socio-political change, um, 
uh, how people treat each other, uh, how people see each other, because, you know, every white person we've ever met that said, oh, I don't see in color. You see it now. <laughs> I know you see it now. Hello. Well, hide that, baby. Yeah. So where are you based in LA? Like, how close are you to all of the action and protests? Are you participating oh, in those? I'm sure you are. Yes, I have been to one protest because that is all I've had time for. I've literally been on the phone almost all day, every day. Uh, doing <laughs> I did one for like AT, uh, ATTN with Gigi Gorgeous. I did one with uh, Kate Bosworth yesterday. Uh, I did one with like, I'm, yeah, I'm just name dropping y'all. No, and then I have- Name drop, honey, that's all we know. Right? <laughs> I love to hear it. Right, yeah, no, but- um. And then I have two tomorrow, I have two the next day, and then I was supposed to have one Friday, but I think I might need a day off. I'm talking about just, so just, just for a moment. Um, we'll see, maybe I'll get to the beach and then I can talk about it again. Um, but I literally just woke up from a nap because I've been talking about this since nine o'clock in the morning because I talked to Cocktails and Cock Talk. But I'm really close, I live in Mid-City, um, and so I can hear like the fireworks going off and people excited, but um, far enough from that where I'm not afraid like you know mm -hmm. I don't know it's gonna happen to my house <laughs> yeah. yeah we actually we our podcast our group our our host and our producers obviously um participated in a march and a rally yes weekend mm -hmm. and we walked from 125th street here in New York City all the way down to Times Square and then joined that like thousand person rally and it was seven miles long and I know we're in times of COVID and we're all at home and I haven't been to the gym in so long. And <laughs> that seven miles was new for me for, <laughs> from a while, but it was totally worth it. It was like the energy in the city, the energy from the sidewalks, from the people that we were passing were just like so reassuring, I guess is the word, like that the majority of America are on the good side of history. I hope. Yeah. We'll see when yeah. November comes, but I hope. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I've been talking to my elders, like I've been talking to my mom about like what she went through because she, she was in the first desegregated schools in DC when she was a kid. And then she went to like the good high school, they called it the good high school and it was on the better side of the tracks where they had to start desegregating and they only had a, a couple of black people. And mm -hmm. she said all the students were nice to her. She's like, all the students were nice to me. She said it was the teachers who were nasty to me. It was the people in charge. And so mm -hmm. when you going on, these people that grew up in racism being a regular thing for them, they're still in the Senate. They're still running the country. They're yeah. still yeah. voting. And so they're the ones that cannot get past owning us. I'm like, you don't own us anymore. And so right. you can't hunt us down in prison like you just caught a runaway slave. That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly what they're doing. It's not like we can't see a parallel. Hello, we all have yeah. technology. I can watch this on my phone in five minutes. And mm -hmm. so, really one minute, but you know, I got stuff to do right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, we're not, again, we're not our parents' generation and we're not the generation before that. We grew up completely desegregated. We had like the Burger King Kids Club from the Spice Girls to, um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on TV. We have Oprah, Beyonce, the Obamas. We're not going back to shit. Like, I don't know what y'all thought this was going to be. Right. But the revolution has been televised. You're watching it now. And um, I'm happy to be a part of it. The energy is amazing. And there's it more side of history than there are not on the right side. Because where's their march? I dare your ass to come out here. 
Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I want to definitely say on part of you being a part of the revolution, uh, you, we all know that you were in a show called Strut. Um, and I think your voice is very, very important to this world. And I think that that's part of the revolution. You know, you just named a lot of heroes with the Obamas and with Beyonce and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And you're one of those heroes to a lot of people. So just asking you, how do you feel that the impact of Strut changed the world? Because I want to say that I think that you gave way, you and that show gave way to Pose and what it is today. So how do you feel that Strut changed the world? Uh, we we really get posed one of their stars in Dominique. <laughs> you did. You did. You really did. Literally. Get it to pose. Right. But, but um, also Lace is in an episode. So he's, yeah, in a, a pose. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, struts all up and through there. But, um, and a lot of Slay Girls from our, the Slay Model Management, where I'm mm -hmm. still at rep represented by. I'm now on the celebrity board now. If you don't see me on the main board, it's because I'm famous now. Yes, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I always call famous, though. I'm like, yeah, I think queer people know who I am. Your mama don't know who I am. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different thing. It's a different thing. We'll take it. No, but um, I'm really proud to have been part of something uh, that people thought trans was a trend, but I don't think these things are just now being introduced into the ether as something that you're, it's okay to be okay with. And so right. not trends anymore. Black Lives Matter is not a trend. Trans is not a trend. These, this was an introduction to show you how things are going to go from now on. And so me being, I'm intersectional, so I have to fight for feminism as a woman. I have to fight for Black Lives Matter as a Black person. And I have to fight for um, LGBT rights as a trans person. And so all three of those things makes me kind of immune to any kind of hate because I'm not the one. Like I've been, yeah. at the, uh, yeah, I've been at the center of hate since I was born. And so like, because I was, you know, trans black women are the biggest prize of America. We're killed every two weeks, uh, also systemically basically, because it, it's been deemed fine for them to murder us and they get like, a slap on the wrist and call trans panic and they can completely get away with it mm -hmm. and it's legal and so it's just uh it's it's very weird being at that crossroads because I, I have to answer for every single community that i'm a part of but also um i don't want to take away from any community and so when someone asked me how i felt about that yesterday i said well right now this house is on fire. My Black Lives house is on fire because that's the one I'm fighting for. Like pride, we've all kind of rallied to stand behind that and just go with Black Lives Matter. Right. You know, so right. yeah, the I rainbow matter. Yeah, rainbows is Black Lives Matter. So that's what we're focusing on right now. We, I will get back to feminism soon. I will get back to LGBTQ rights soon because we still have work to do on both. But uh, right now, this is the house that needs the attention. I know that. Yeah, and, no, and now it's finally getting attention because no one's gone to work. There are no concerts, new movies, no shit to distract us from the people yeah. being murdered every day, unarmed. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Being, right. being murdered unarmed every day um, and recorded. It's all being recorded. Like, you think we don't see this? We absolutely see this. Yeah. Arise, taking a step back, going backwards into your life, um, mm -hmm. when did you learn or when were you awoken to the fact that you were, you know, a little bit different from society's norm? When did you realize that you were transgender? Um, so I've always been, uh, different cause I have a brother who's just 11 months younger than me. We're raised exactly the same cause everyone's like nature versus nurture. I'm like, oh, yeah. how does nature 
because we were given all the same clothes. Like my mom wanted us to be twins so bad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my brother's one of my best friends. I love him so much. He's a huge supporter um, of mine. Like he's one of my biggest fans. Uh, he's an aristocrat t-shirt he wears a lot. Yeah. Aww. I like one. That's her Instagram page. Yeah. I'm gonna go get one. I'm gonna go buy one. Yes. Drag queen, dragqueenmerch.com. Look for a Reese Wanza, y'all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mug. So, um, but I always had, like, I always had, uh, I always wanted different things than him. Like, oh, I, like, I was super meticulous. Uh, I liked, I don't know, more artistic things. I had a ton of Barbies. I watched a ton of Disney princess movies and um, he watched them too because he'd be sitting right next to me you know it's not like he could avoid this if I had to, if I wanted to watch something he had to watch it I was his older I was his older brother I know <laughs> I was I called the shot a lot and then um, it got a little more balanced as we got older but I mean um, you know so it's we were just different we were inherently different and when I noticed uh it's funny, at home, I was fine. I, no one made me feel like I was different. My parents bought all this stuff for me uh, because it's what I wanted. I said I wanted it. No one forced Barbies on me. I said, I want that. Give me the Barbie. Um, I didn't know that I was different until I went to school. And I think it got really, when it got obvious that I was just not going to be liked as a femme queer person was when the hormones hit, which is about sixth grade. And that's when people start pairing boys start liking girls and girls start liking boys and everyone's crying and hitting each other. And um, I'm literally out of the conversation. And then I start getting pegged as a weirdo and they don't want me a part of any of it. And so, uh, yeah, I was bullied pretty bad in middle school, but then, uh, God, I will say, I, I, but I had a really great family like growing up because my mom used to watch Will and Grace every week and we'd had to shut the hell up if Will and Grace was on. And um, so I learned that being gay was just fine, you know? And my mom, uh, she was a flight attendant for about 30 years. And so she, like I asked her when I came out, I came out at like 16 and I said, mom, why were you so okay with this? She said, honey, I'm a flight attendant. All my male friends are gay. And I was like, oh, oh. I did <laughs> I would have never known that, but I would have never known that if you don't ask. And so, you know, these conversations, we've got to have these conversations with our parents of what, what are they familiar with and how, why aren't they familiar with certain types of people? Um, And so I was, I was relieved to hear that. And then, um, yeah, I think, God, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) No, this is, this is really good. But piggyback off of what um, you were talking about, like if you could go back, and tell your like yourself like any advice or anything like that. What would you say to oh. yourself? Um, I would give myself the advice that my mom gave me when I was in ninth grade and I'd finally had enough. I was like, Mom, people are not nice to me. I was like, they laugh at all my jokes in uh, in class, and then they're mean to me in the hallway. And then uh, like they like my clothes, but then they don't acknowledge that they know me like they'll give me a little individual compl- compliments and then they'll bull me in the hallway later with all their friends mm. anyway so i said mm. mom why are they doing this she said oh honey she goes kids are dumb as hell kids are dumb <laughs> as hell she goes, little friends dumb as hell she said people believe what you want them to believe she goes you start acting cool they're gonna think you're cool and i was like oh and so it was like a light bulb went off i was like i don't have to give a fuck about what any of you think you're all stupid and that's what i started <laughs> life. Word. And, 
and it made me a supermodel later. I'm like, you're all a bunch of idiots. <laughs> and yeah. I'm a yeah. And um, it's worked. It has absolutely worked in my favor. So I would go back and tell that kid, like, these people don't know anything. Half these people don't even like themselves. It doesn't matter if they like you. And um, yeah, people don't know how they feel about themselves. And so they attack you and then also hurt people, hurt people. So these people are so unhappy that they have to make you unhappy Amen. because, yeah, you're clearly striking yeah. a and something that hits them on the inside that they don't want to address. Those are some wise words from Miss Arise Wanders, transgender supermodel of the world. Yes, ma'am. We're going to take a really quick break. We have a message from um, one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back with Arise Wanzer. <laughs> Have you been wondering how Pride the Series created Pride the Podcast? Well, the tea is out. We use Anchor, the podcasting app that believes everyone should be able to have their voice heard. With tools that are really easy to use like distribution and monetization elements, Anchor puts creators first. For more information, check out anchor.fm. That's anchor.fm. And welcome back with transgender supermodel of the world, Arisa. <laughs> you better work. No. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, love it. I love it. So we just were talking about your, you know, your childhood and your brother, your beautiful supportive brother. And mm-hmm. when you recognized that you were a little bit different. So now you live mm-hmm. in Hollywood and how has that transitioned being like from you transitioning? Um, Hollywood, I've like, okay, so I took a journey. I didn't just, you know, get from Woodbridge, Virginia to Hollywood. So I graduated when I was like 18, like everyone else does from high school, unless they, you know, were had a different birthday mm-hmm. or something, or got their GED at the center of my damn business. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> talking about the generics, okay? So I did the generics. <laughs> Graduating at 18, and I moved to Miami, and I lived there for five years, and uh, that's why I started my modeling career. I was in school for fashion merchandising and marketing at the Art Institute there, uh, the accredited one. Woof. Anyway, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> they got in trouble. Art Institute got their ass eight. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, and so then I moved to New York after that and lived there for three years and had my uh, took my modeling career, I think, the most seriously. Um, that I've ever taken it. And it took me to new heights and I got more known and uh, I was more known in the fashion industry. I was making lists of things like Buzzfeed listicles and things. I was like, oh my God, I'm famous. No, fame doesn't pay the bills, kids. Anyway, (laughs) you gotta get business savvy. So um, I left there and I actually moved to LA when I quit modeling, I actually had quit. And um, because New York is a rough customer, bitch, I was not, I was not for her. I was like, bitch. I was like 126 pounds and six feet tall. And I was like, oh, I am exhausted. Um, yeah, I was like, my black ass is too, <laughs> too <laughs> for the cold to be up in here. And so um, I left and I literally just intended on, you know, writing because I, I am a writer. Um, I was just going to, you know, really get into my writing, work at Starbucks and date surfers. That's all I wanted to do here. Those I had very low goals. And so, is that think, not an option for me? Yes, it's like always. Surfers are so lazy. You can find them at any beach. 
and they're high as a kite and they're gorgeous. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm gonna have to do that. <laughs> I think we need to reevaluate what we're doing here in New York. Yeah, right. New York, like it was, it's the city of the workaholic. And I'm not a workaholic. I love my days off. I love to sleep in. I love uh, to not be overworked, you know? So um, I wanted a slower life. So I was going to move here. I was going to date surfers. I was going to watch them smoke up and I was going to go to bed with them. It was going to be great. <laughs> going to work at Starbucks and meet new people and be a nice person. Just like people get to be happy. You know, like I just wanted to be one of the happy people I saw. Like, oh my God, like, cause I was just stressed out constantly in New York. I remember I tried to take myself on a vacation up to Newburgh uh, where my friend had a bed and breakfast. And it was, I think four in the morning and my agent called me and was like, you have to be downtown in Soho at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Mario Sorrenti wants to see you personally and he's gonna shoot you that afternoon. I was like, what do you mean? I'm in fucking Newburgh. He goes, you better get the fuck out of Newburgh, bitch. I was oh, like, no. my God. <laughs> opportunity of a lifetime like I got to shoot with him and Andreja Pujic and I was for Purple Magazine and but I was it was a big deal but I was just like why won't the city leave me alone <laughs> like I literally <laughs> tried to have a I tried to take a mental health break and it would not let me take a break and so I was like I was as grateful as I was I was like I have to get the fuck out of here I don't think this is for me like this whole train is not for me I'm getting off yeah. and so I just wanted literally to take the train and <laughs> got off got the fuck off. Yeah, I was like, I'm out. Like, I'm going to date surfers and work at Starbucks. I don't want to do this shit no more. And so, like, I can go be pretty in the sun and be a happy person. Right. So, um, but funny that how the universe works. As soon as you don't want something, it comes to get you. Right. Because uh, it wasn't three weeks that I was living in LA on a couch and, um, like, a friend's couch that uh, I was writing for a uh, magazine. It's a trans masculine magazine. Uh, I think they just did their last issue called Original Plumbing. And mm -hmm. I was their dating columnist. I was like their Carrie Bradshaw. And so Cecilia, who's now my uh, agent at Slay Models, and he has been for about five years uh, since they've been open. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll get into that in a second. I'm gonna wrap this up, I promise. But- um, oh, no, no, I love this. We love it. Yeah, keep going. Mark. Like, okay, now, so he, uh, he sends me a Facebook message because he was friends with a videographer that I was friends with and, and worked with in New York. And he said, hey, I read all of your columns of original plumbing. I did this, uh, uh, what are they called? Biography? What is it called? Like a biopic? Biopic? Biopic, yeah. Documentary. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, biopic? <laughs> I call it COVID brain. I'm like, yo, I haven't had to think in a while. So <laughs> Dang, bro, like, I literally can't think of things and I'm like, I don't know how to do anything. I feel like I'm a newborn baby with no yeah. knowledge. I know, I know how old people feel just in the way. Rest these weary bones. No, so um, <laughs> um he hits me up like three weeks that I'm living in LA and I'm like, I'm gonna date surfers, and I'd successfully dated one, and that was fun. But um, I was just, you know, doing some writing, living on unemployment. I was like, all right, I'm doing just fine up in this LA gig. I'm sleeping on a couch, but the sun is shining and there's an orange tree in my backyard. I'm doing great. And so uh, Cecilia hits me up and he's, he hits me through Facebook message and he's like, I want you to do the, uh, my first press for this documentary I did called What's the Tea? It's now available on Amazon Prime and Hulu if you want to go watch it. It's a good movie. But um, it's about these trans women in San Francisco and what their lives are like. And so I meet Cecilia for brunch that week. 
and he was at the end of brunch he was like you are so beautiful and so funny you should be a model and i was like no i don't want to do that anymore like i literally moved to stop doing that i'm dating a surfer and i'm having a great time i don't want to do it and so he was like well if i got you signed to an agency my friend has an agency um in thailand that has an all trans board so it wouldn't be any problem for you uh, they would absolutely love to have you i'm sure and I was like, okay, sure, let's do it. And so then um, it's literally overnight. I can, like, I have a headshot, like, on their board um, for this Thai agency. And they booked me for my first LA Fashion Week, like, another week later. Mm-hmm. And uh, this all happened, like, very in a row. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And so oh I walked. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think 10 shows for my first LA Fashion Week and I was a hit like I got I get to be friends with a lot of designers and they hired me again for things wow. but um, yeah and then a month later he was like hey so I'm gonna fly you to San Francisco if that's okay and we're gonna film a reel for a show about um, these trans models and I was like okay like I'll do that because I had nothing else going on and so uh, he gets us to San Francisco and Cecilia paid for all of this out of pocket by the way uh, so he's working on his own credit like at this point and he put us in these beautiful hotels me and the other girls and we go to a real big like huge studio like and it's my first time filming in a studio like I sat like a real studio I was like oh my god what is this like what is this and it was the real for what would become a year later strut on TV wow. so, on TV a year later and um, as a model, like I said, I wasn't going to do anymore. <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's how the universe works. It's like, uh, leave it alone. If it comes back to you, it was always meant to be for you. And um, I do believe that, that is, those are the wise words from what's her, Christina Aguilera. Christina Aguilera. <laughs> oh, really? That's <laughs> she said, she said uh, what did she say? Um, I love Christina. She was like, leave it alone. If it comes back, it's yours. And that's how you know it's for keeps. Yeah, it's for sure. And you're ready and willing to give it more. That was one of my like first CDs to buy what? as a little same. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love it. <laughs> what a message. <laughs> but um, I think that's so interesting, Arise, what you were saying there and that like what Strut did, I mean, and things came back to you, and you you did a show, and Whoopi Goldberg produced that, correct? Because she's yeah, one of my favorites. She sure yeah. did. She literally is one of my favorites, and I remember watching that show and just being mesmerized by something, because I think something that's very interesting is being in the LGBT community and being a gay Black man myself, I didn't know anything about transgender or or even, I think that sometimes even within our own community, we try to separate. And I was, because of your show and because of you and the relationships I saw in that show and what happened, I was able to gain a better understanding and, and more support for my transgender brothers and sisters. And I think that it's so important for shows like that to exist. And I really wish the show would have honestly went on longer. I really do. Because I think you had a lot more story to tell. I agree mm-hmm. with that, and I also want to say that Strut actually influenced Pride the Series because we've incorporated, based on Strut, we've incorporated many transgender characters into our yes. as well, and we want to amplify that moving forward into our new series. So thank mm-hmm. you, thank you to Whoopi, and thank you for Strut. Thank you. Yeah, no, and I think Strut didn't do um, it did well actually. We got a, we got the same amount of viewers as uh, Caitlyn Jenner's show. 
uh, I am Kate. We literally had the same amount of viewers, but she got three seasons and we didn't. And here's why. Wow. Let's get into it. Speak on it. <laughs> yeah, on our show, we were tackling difficult conversations because I was speaking against white supremacy on the show and I was talking about white what I was mm -hmm. supposed to And I said that in 2016 and people try to pretend like it's this new thing, like all lives matter. I'm like, bitch, no, you did not. <laughs> no, you did not. You better go watch some strut because I told <laughs> you it, that um, all these the white beauty standards is not fair. Like it's literally comparing apples and oranges. Like you can't say, I think Claudia Schipper is more beautiful than Naomi Campbell. Mm. Uh -uh. Those are both tens in their realm. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. In their realm. You can't be comparing black to white, girl. You got to appreciate both for what they are. Neither is better. Exactly. They're literally on an even plane. They're both fucking supermodels, and they have been for 25 fucking years. Yeah. And so, well, probably longer, but I don't want to age them. Anyway. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you go have to work with them. So let's, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Eventually, but um, maybe for not. The Naomi. production crew and for the executive producers for Strut, were they like people of color, LGBT people, or were they just fucking white men? Um, okay, so, oh, this is funny. Um, that's the other problem we had. And so our producers, our producer team, it was, um, they were called 44 Blue, and it was these white cis women, white cis hetero mm -hmm. women. And they made us do so much work. Like every pitch meeting, I was at every single pitch meeting that we were trying to sell this show. Uh, and so for all the kids, pitch meetings are when we go to BET, we have a meeting with BET and we are selling ourselves for an hour and a half. And then uh, we go to, and then after that, we have an appointment with E, the E network. And so we go and sell ourselves to them for an hour and a half. And sometimes you only get half an hour because they don't like your pitch. And so we were always there for over an hour. They always loved it, but maybe it wasn't right for them at this time, or maybe they just didn't really get it, but they loved us. But, which is right. like an excuse, which is yeah, but they sat us in there. I think our first one was our first one was in VH1. I can't remember which our first one was. It wasn't Lifetime either. But we did. We went to all these different channels trying to sell Strut. Um, at the time, it was called called Models Like Us. Um, you know, mm. on the like us, which is from Janet Mock. So yeah, that's to tie that all in, so everyone knows what we're talking about. But um, we were just trying to sell the show, and I had never been in a pitch meeting. I literally had quit modeling just like the year before. And so to be thrown back into this um, was so weird. And then thrown into a pitch meeting, not given any tools of what a pitch meeting is. Mm -hmm. And so they'd play, they played the reel that I did. And then they're like, all right, so what's the show? I'm like, I, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't know the dynamic of making a show. I don't know. I don't know any of this. So I just started talking about my life and this and that, and they'd go with it. And then me and Cecilia basically had to create our own script in a pitch meeting. And he, he and I would drive uh, to the other pitch meetings together uh, and just talk shit about our producers. Like, God damn, they keep throwing us to the wolves in there. They don't know what they're selling. They, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. No, so basically a diversity hire for 44 mm -hmm. Blue so that they would look inclusive and they tried to get on the trans trend because mm -hmm. everyone fucking trend when really it did just fine. The show did just fine. We won the GLAAD award that year for outstanding reality. Yeah, and so a lot of people, you know, it's, forgotten in a lot of ways because um you know it was just ahead of its time and people weren't ready to have those conversations we were having really real conversations yeah. on tv and you know it's funny because then you get these shows like guess guess what wouldn't have happened to us uh what's happening to the girls in the vanderpump rules like they're they've got like racist tweets and shit going mm -hmm. on all of us were trans and of color. We wouldn't have had no racist tweets. Also, stop hiring stupid like stupid people. Like stop making stupid uh, people think 
that makes exactly. sense. Yeah. I've had, I think we've all had enough of that. We've already got the Kardashians. We have filled the bill for stupid people being famous. I'm done. <laughs> Arisa, I'm really going to ask you, what do you think of Stassi and Kristen being fired? No longer a part of Vanderpump Rules. Also Max and Brett, but who cares? Hi. Yeah, no, I just mean like, who cares? Like, <laughs> oh, white people are off TV. White people are on TV all the time. Who gives a shit? Put people of color Word. in there. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Hollywood, yeah. so you know, J.K. Rowling sent out a slew of transphobic tweets, unprompted, might I add, yeah, um, and, and her thoughts on gender identity, which are just, it's, it's baffling to me, but what are your thoughts on what she was saying, and how do you respond to people who feel that way? I think JK fuck a trans person so bad it hurts her in her sleep. She is so obsessed with us. I have never thought about being trans as much as she thinks about trans people. Ever. Right. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's it, it's always unprovoked. Uh, she's been following TERFs for like 10 years on Twitter. Like she's been following these known TERFs and us, you know, retweeting their rhetoric and liking all the things that they post. And I'm like, girl, girl, girl. She, like, right. she does. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. And it's so unfortunate because I am like a big fan of like the Harry Potter series, but it, it makes me feel like I don't want to... For me, like, it, doesn't, it doesn't take away from the series because all of right. the now all of the actors who I love and are my characters have spoken out against what she said. Mm-hmm. And guess not who she was when she wrote that series. She was a mother on welfare and uh-huh. who cared about beating the status quo, which is you know the one percent. And now she is Voldemort. She's become her worst enemy. If you live long enough, you'll see your heroes become villains, and that's mm-hmm. an old. I didn't coin that term, but you see your heroes become villains because they have to get real eventually. And it's how real are they going to get? Are they going to get so real that you learn that they're not such a beautiful person on the inside mm-hmm. or real to a point where you can really relate to them? And, you know, there's a different point of understanding like, oh, I see why you are this way. But she's getting real and defensive when she could have a learning moment in her damn exactly. self and ask to speak to the person. You've got a whole castle, bitch. You can't have someone over to talk to you. Girl. <laughs> I don't get it. I it's, it's like this thing with like straight white people feeling like they can dictate and tell other people about their experiences and like telling black people, telling trans people like, oh, this is how it is. And this is how you should feel. And this is how you should respond. And I'm just like, you don't know shit. Like, shut up. Like, when this is supposed happens. to be a listening moment, a learning moment. When that happens, because I've been getting prepared all week. I'm like, listen, what I say is listen to these microaggressions. You talking down to me about what I should know about myself is a microaggression. You don't know more about me than I know about me, bitch. Don't you ever. Unless, yeah. Exactly. Are you, will you give our listeners um, a couple examples of microaggressions? Okay. A fun microaggression that I've heard before is, oh, you're pretty. I've heard that girl. one. <laughs> I'm just pretty. Yeah, no, I literally have had contracts in Miami, DC, New York, and LA that say I am pretty and I am sold to be pretty. I'm literally a face of pretty. I don't need, there's no pretty for a black girl. I'm actually just pretty, mm-hmm. like in, in the gen- general sense of things. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a microaggression because you're saying you just literally called all the rest of my people ugly. Right. right. Girl, I yeah. don't like it, the rest of them, but you're an exception. That's not a compliment. 
not a compliment. It's a microaggression. And then yeah. one is um, another another one that's topical right now is all lives matter. Honey, then black lives mattering shouldn't bother you. And <laughs> Right. Exactly. Thank you. Will you please say that again? Right. Yeah, <laughs> huh. yeah they, they're saying like another microaggression is all lives matter. And that means black lives matter should not bother you. Right. And, so shut up. Yeah, exactly. what, what, yeah, what I've been replying to people, I say, oh, so gay lives matter, they get a little quiet. Trans mm -hmm. lives matter, they get a little more quiet. I'm like, mm -hmm. black lives don't matter, bitch. You just told me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you had to reply with all lives matter. Girl, you got the wrong one today, bitch. I'm all the, I'm all the things. I'm all the things. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma about my life, because where were you when um, this trans woman was being killed and murdered? Where were you when uh, this happened to a black woman? Where were you, like, what happened? Like, where were you with these all lives matter shit? You only talk about it when black lives matter. So please eat shit. Look at the street in the white, uh, near the White House and check it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to add to that really quickly, Reese. So what do you, and you've probably seen it recently, uh, Billy Porter's thoughts on, um, you know, things going on in the community and he feeling, you know, black people aren't there for their black LGBTQ family. Um, it's something I've definitely been struggling with. I, I've, you know, obviously I know I'm black before anything, but it is concerning to me. I saw a video not uh, this week, this past weekend of a trans woman being beaten. I, I've seen gay men being harassed by other black people. How do you feel and what is your response to something what Billy Porter was saying? Uh, I think he's absolutely right. I think it's disgusting and it's not fair because we always show up for our communities. Mm -hmm. We, whatever which one we have to pick, we show up for them. And so when they don't show up for us, it's like, wow. So we don't, you like, and then I, I read a threat from someone famous online, not directly to me, but it was like, it, he was like, he was saying, it was a guy, I, can't, I wish I could reference this properly, but I didn't know I was going to get this question. But um, <laughs> You yeah, can talk to our publicist. She didn't send these, these messages. And right, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. No, but um, he said, um, he was like, yo, we don't give a, like, he goes, we don't care about yours unless we care about yours. And I'm like, yo, this isn't tit for tat. You can just, like, if they, if they can hate us for no reason, you can love us for no reason. There's no reason to spread, like you don't need a reason to spread love. You can just love other people for Word. being different. I'm glad you're different and I'm so glad you're you and I'm so glad you don't look like me because I need a job. And then also, <laughs> no, but I want everyone to be different. I think the different is the spice of life with being different. I think it's diversity is, is yeah. what a better, diversity is the spice of life. And I think we shouldn't be pushing beauty standards on people. We shouldn't be pushing um, like we need to be pushing health on people. We need to be pushing education on people. Mm -hmm. um, that those are the things that we should really be pushing for. We shouldn't be pushing hate on other people because of how they were born or who they are attracted to. None of that has to do with anything. It, mm -hmm. it isn't anything. You're literally nitpicking a reason to hate someone that has nothing to do with you as well. Because me being trans over here has nothing to do with your family. I'm like, not threatening you. You know, yeah. the, you know, what the majority yeah. of the issue is are white and evangelicals because I feel like it's extremely um, hypocritical. I am obviously a white man. I have the luxury of identifying as LGBT. Thank God I'm something different. Um, <laughs> but but they, 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 they preach um, all of the stuff and then they don't live by it. They don't mm -hmm. adhere to it, which I, 
that's been my whole concern, not only with George Floyd and everything that's happening now, but the past motherfucking 30-something years I've been alive because it's, it's still it's still an issue. It's still an issue of yep. the, the message that they are hypocritically conveying. Yeah, no, I, um, so I, so I got asked earlier, what was my favorite thing about the LGBT community? And I said, we are the heartbeat of every city. We are, our neighborhoods are the safest. Mm -hmm. Um, they're the most beautiful. We have the best restaurants, the best bars and families can walk there. Like straight cis people can walk there. Um, everyone can walk there and you feel safe and they're the heartbeat. We're just love. Yeah, no, and that's in every city I've ever lived in. So every neighborhood is exactly what people center around because it is literally built on love and support of the community. And so, I yeah, I think it's, um, I just think it's really fascinating that they're always trying to tear us down when we're always building the cities up. We're always building communities up. And so I was, I just, I, I take real offense to it. Like, you think you're allowed to hate my people when all we do is have, basically ass cheek parades where we're all screaming in glitter every year. <laughs> I know they love those parades. They love them. They, they love do. them. They're jealous. Yeah, no, I literally, um, I said this in my other interview earlier. I said, I would almost classify the straights as a hate group. <laughs> like, y'all, all y'all do, do is fucking hate. Like, I love our athletes, don't get me wrong, but they love to fucking hate. They will find any reason to hate anyone different than them. Whereas, you know, yes, we have our own problems in the community, like no fast, no fems, no Asians. It's all terrible. Yeah. But bitch, once a year, once a year, once for a whole month of a year, we all come together, take our shirts off, and mm -hmm. drink for two days. Yeah. And so we talk about how gay we are, and we love it. And I yeah. love that about our community. I love being queer. I would never want to be another way. It's so much easier Amen. to be of love than it is to be of hate. Oh my God, it's exhausting. The <laughs> The beautiful, wise words of Miss Arise Wanza, the trend <laughs> and the supermodel of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you for your your inspiration, your yes. wise words of wisdom. It's just so much fun chatting with you. So inspirational. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I love talking. I love to talk. Any, any opportunity <laughs> to talk, talk to y'all. Well, once we get season three of Pride the Series, uh on board you're gonna be talking a lot i hope you're ready for that <laughs> we would love to have you do it i love talking i'll do it, <laughs> I'll do it. thank you so much Maurice. we love All you right, so much. Girl. bye <laughs> be safe over there in la be safe thank you be thank safe you. there you will bye. bye all right welcome back wow that was talking with Arise. that was amazing she's great She's so great and she's so beautiful. Her voice Gorgeous. is so inspirational. I met her, mm -hmm. gosh, it's probably been shit, like nine years ago in New York City. We were in wow. together at Copacabana. <laughs> and That's closed now. It's closed now, but we were in the line at Copacabana. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why we just started like talking and, you know, just like an energy thing, a God thing. And we just like became really quick close friends and we've stayed in touch ever since she's a huge fan of Pride the series a friend of the pod and has always been a supporter so i'm so glad she came and like lent her beautiful voice for our listeners to hear yeah she's super sweet and very informed which i love 
Yeah, I think having a Reese on this episode, I think it was so timely. She's been very much a part of the protests and using her voice to speak up for not only Black people, but for women and also for the LGBTQ community. So she's very intersectional, as she said, and it's, it's just very important to have voices like a Reese in our community. Word. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> Wait, I literally gagged when she started talking about all the Hollywood shit. So I know. So, especially, like, with Stassi and Kristen from Vanderpump Rules, I don't, I just, I, I'm a fan of that show, and when I saw all of this shit surface a couple of days ago, I am gagged. It doesn't surprise me at all. Really? Mm-mm. It's just, like, uh, the whole Leah Michelle thing. Like, yeah, I, she's exactly the girl I thought she was. I mean, I think the question that we should all be asking and what America and the world should be asking is, for example, with Vanderpump Rules, why has there only been really one Black girl who's been showcased um, on that show? Like, I mean, you have to really think about that. When they did the um, interviews and everything for Beverly Hills Housewives, they were like, the first Black Beverly Hills Housewives. I'm so sorry to let the world know, but Garcelle Bouvet is not the first rich Black woman that has lived in Beverly Hills and has been a star. So it's very upsetting that, you know, we, we got Vivica Fox. We got plenty of people that have been that, Vanessa Williams, who would love to probably do it, like who would probably give them all the smoke they want. But I- Literally a real housewife. Right. So it's just very interesting that it took them 10 years to like, on our 10 year show, we're going to give you diversity. And it's like, uh, I mean, it's kind of on Atlanta when it's like, you know, I love Atlanta because it's an all black cast. But I will say this, even though I had my issues with Kim Zolciak, it's like, there are white women in Atlanta too. Like, I don't understand why shows can't be more diverse and why they have to do like a, and special guest star, this black person or this white person this weekend. It's like, Bravo, what are you doing? I think not only does police need a reform, but so does Bravo. Because we're props. We are props. Like, at the end of the day, um, I think Hollywood in general when they see like, oh, we may not have like the inclusion or the quota, they don't meet like the brown black quota. It's like, well, let's just stick this person in here and you know, we'll just meet it. Like just check that box off. And that's just, not only do I think like the police need to be defunded or, you know, a complete overhaul, Hollywood needs a complete overhaul as well. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Do you think with all of this unfortunate news of like George Floyd and his passing, like, do you think that we've, America as a nation has finally woken up to change? Or do you think it's another, we'll forget about it in two weeks? I mean, I hope not. And I really hope that this is like spurred some sort of change, partially because of COVID. We've, we have the time. People are at home. And so it's like, we have the time to listen, to focus, to, you know, get together and do whatever we need to do to take this down. Whereas I feel like in the past, like it was like a nice like story cycle for like a week. And then it was just, you know, on to the next murder or whatever. Um, So I'm really hoping that, that this does cause some like actual effect. Um, Like cops, for example, is now being pulled off the air, canceled. Um, Wait, the show Cops? The show Cops 
knee done. has been canceled, which I think I, I do know that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was pulled because I mean I don't know why, but it was it's good because we need to stop glorifying police behavior and making it seem like the, oh the, it's just that's just what it is. It's you know. Well, I tweeted what you gonna do when they well. Guess you ain't got no show. I guess you ain't gonna do nothing. And it's gotten so many likes. <laughs> I, I sure what you gonna do? You are canceled. Cops has, uh, you know, when I was younger and watching cops, you would consistently see not only black people targeted and brown people, but you would also see people, you, you would see people humiliated, people who were on drugs, people who were you know struggling and homeless you would see people literally humiliate that show was a show of humiliation mm -hmm. and honestly them being canceled is the right move because uh, y'all saw the video of the girl who was like you about to lose your job you about to lose your she literally made a comment and she said because of that show because of that going out there and people seeing that i'm now able i was off the, able to get off the streets because they made a song off of it. And she was like, I'm now in therapy to like, you know, to get off drug use. So I thought that that was really, really good to see. I think that's a great point because I grew up watching cops, unfortunately, as a white man. And there are so many Americans that watch cops just because it's a show, just because it's a reality show. Everybody watches reality shows, which has unfortunately led to the president that is in the White House, who spent his days in the bunkers right now, um, which I kind of think is ironic in its own conversation. But I think I think cops should totally be fucking canceled. It's not okay because most of the people that are being arrested are POC. Duh. Yeah, and I used to work for Live PD, um, the spinoff Wanted, and that was an interesting experience. I mean, with Wanted specifically, it was about hunting, like, it was like America's Most Wanted, like people that have done numerous crimes. So, like, my conscience wasn't as um, immediately like thinking like uh i'm working for like this cop show but like i definitely did notice that they do target a lot of black and brown people and you know talking with other people that worked at the production company they were like yeah i have a problem with live pd and uh, i mean i don't i i don't blame everybody for feeling that way i mean they they canceled they didn't cancel live pd but they canceled like their airing like i think they stopped the show for now and might be like recalibrating, I don't know. But I mean, we're in tough times right now and we are sick of the cop bullshit. No, it, it's, it's time to fucking stand up and say something. It's getting absolutely ridiculous. Well, you were talking to me earlier about Amber Riley. What's going on with her? Yeah, I mean, well, t one quick thing I wanted to say about that, um, that Whoopi Goldberg made a point on The View the other day is, if they're going to come for us, they're also going to come for you. Because if you guys saw what happened in Buffalo, New York, with the old man, in, I believe he was 75, and he was pushed down, and he started bleeding from his ears. He was a white man. So 
immediately we are now realizing that the cops are protecting their own because they immediately started coming up with an excuse today they're like well he was doing something and we thought he was weird and xyz i just think that it takes notice and i'm hoping that more white americans like yourself brayden who's an ally and all of our other friends get on board and realize that this is going to be all of our fight at the end of the day and yes they are targeting people who are black and brown but this is everybody's fight in regards to amber riley she now has a hashtag called unmute ny uh, she's been asking people to speak out who work in the entertainment industry about the racism they've experienced and where they can liberate themselves and tell their stories. Um, this is very important uh, for a multitude of reasons. Um, I've worked in daytime soaps um, for a little bit, and I've noticed the there's not much diversity. There's maybe one or two black characters that are around and they're used as set pieces. Um, and that would be you. You are one of those one to two. I, I'm, I'm a set piece. Yeah. You and um, Ashley. Me and Ashley uh, are set piece. That's an accomplishment, by the way. Like I yeah. said, props. Props. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, and it is an accomplishment because we're just so proud to be thought of, but we're so much more than set pieces. And I think and I hope that this movement really changes entertainment and they see people of color, people who are different, people who are LGBT, people that are women as more than just props and sexual devices. We are people that have immense talent. We are people that have a lot of story to tell and to give. And just because our skin is different, our sexuality is different, our gender is different, does not mean that we don't have the same stories to tell as our white brothers and sisters. And I think that that is what I really hope comes out of this because I don't wanna, you, um, the creator of Friends just released a statement the other day and said, oh, I think I just now realized that my regret is Friends was too white when we did the show. Really? Mama, you're 30 you're, years too you, you, you thought it's too white? I'm sorry, sis, but living single that you got the idea from, by the way, um, was already there. So, you know, while I love Friends, I, I love the cast, I think they're all immensely talented, I will admit that when I was growing up, I was like, there's no black people. And I remember in the final season when they were renewed and they were all paid $1 million per episode per character, they had Aisha Tyler join the show, who they had her join as a main character, but they paid her less. And I think that that shows you, like, right there. It's like, so you had her join as a main character, didn't introduce her in the opening credits, didn't do any of that, paid her less, and only said, and also starring Aisha Tyler. How insulting. How insulting. Yeah, I could never, I've never watched Friends, TBH. I've seen, like, episodes here and there, just, like, I don't know if I'm flipping to TBS or something, but, like, I've never watched Friends, and it's because I was like, I just looking at it, I'm like, I don't feel like I can really. I'm sure if I were to sit down and watch it, I'd have a few chuckles, but like for me, it was just something that just never spoke to me. I was just like, where is the representation? So I grew up watching Friends only because I know we're getting to a whole other discussion and we're at time, but I grew up watching Friends because it was a white show, and I connected with that on that level but I had an issue with there was no gay person there was no there might have been an episode here and there talking about LGBT but to your point Ashley I never really connected with the show as a whole being a member yeah. of the LGBTQ community because I didn't like resonate with it and I think it's a shame so to Darrell's point for those fools making a million dollars an episode they don't, those, those white people don't need that money. 
No, and it's actually continued throughout, like with the residuals and everything that's came from the show. Um, and it always surprises me when people say, oh my God, I didn't know how racist that was. Adam and I has been watching Power Rangers lately and they were like, oh, we didn't know the show was racist back in the day. So the message of today's episode in general is for us to really understand it shouldn't take a man being choked to death and, and killed for the public to see a public lynching is what it was for us to say, Oh shit, my bad. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that was racist. Then we should have opened our eyes a long time ago. And as George Floyd's daughter said, my daddy changed the world. So I want to leave with that message. Her daddy changed the world. And I, I, his family has been completely heroes throughout this. So Thank you guys again for joining us for an amazing episode of Pride the Podcast. Um, we will continue coming to you every week uh, with new information and what's happening in the world. Uh, Brayden, please let us know where we can find Arise. Yeah, thank you. A huge shout out to Arise for joining us for this episode. You can find her merch on Drag Queen Merch. The collection is Arise Wanzer, the one and only transgender supermodel of the world. Um, love her. Absolutely love her. She's a friend of the pod. She's a friend of the show. Yes. Support black people. <laughs> Support black businesses. And Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can find us at Pride the Series on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. You can find me at I am Darrell Anthony. Remember to also watch This is Pride Month. Watch episodes of Pride um, seasons one and two on Amazon Prime and also Tubi TV. You can find me at Boxed Line Poppy with a zero. Instagram, Twitter, um, and Facebook. Just, you know, Adam Andrew Rios. And you can find me, Ashley Mitchell, at Ashley Aaron M on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find Arise on social media at Aristocrat. That's R-I-S-C-S-C-E-S-T-O-C-R-A-T. Woo! <laughs> you know it's, it's Aristocrats. It's Aristocrats. Right, it's right, aristocrat. right. It's a play on that. Aristocrats. Yeah. So I'm a, actually, I'm going to have to buy me a shirt that says I'm an Aristocrat. I'm buying one right now. I'm online. I know, right? <laughs> uh, you can find me, Braden Bradley, at Mr. Braden Bradley on wherever you follow your social media information. Okay. 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 This has been fun. Love a Reese. Huge shout out. Love Thank a Reese. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Happy Month. Happy Pride Month. And remember, and Black Lives matter always bye bye out there everybody bye bye, bye.